With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Montreal Canadiens desperately need a victory. They will try to get it tomorrow night in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. Our coverage starts with the face-off show at 5.30 tomorrow on 6.30, Ched. Game at 6. Canadians against the Lightning. Bolts lead it two games to nothing. Reed Wilkins with you. Hope you're doing well. Happy Canada Day. And we got a best of edition on Inside Sports. We're looking back on a great interview we had with Sean Pete. He was telling you a bit of his story before we went to the news there. And he uh, he played minor pro hockey in a, in a lot of different places. And I asked him if he ever wondered if it was worth it. Yeah, I think, you know, we all have uh, some of those um, <laughs> what am I doing moments. I mean, I think probably the biggest one for me, I played my first year in Texas and I thought it went really well. And I could have gone back there and been, you know, really well established in the lineup and the community. But I knew I wanted to take a shot at the National Hockey League. So I went out and I searched for the toughest coach to play for in the country at that time. And at that time, that person was John Brophy. And he was the coach in Hampton Roads, right? You know, everyone knows John Brophy, correct? Yeah. So I call, uh, I call up the GM out there and, you know, I said, Hey, I played in Texas. I'd like to try out. And they, they thought so little of me. They're like, sure. If you can get here, you can try out. So I paid, paid my own plane ticket. And I go to what was undeniably the most difficult training camp I've ever been through. Reed, it was three a days. Like it was insane. And, and what was interesting is they only needed six, Six guys, right? They had 14 returning players. Uh, they were affiliated with the Blackhawks. So I knew it was going to be tough to make the lineup. So I get through this grueling camp, and I make the lineup for the last two exhibition games, which is a home-and-home against Richmond. So we go up to Richmond, and uh, at that time, I mean, they were super tough. They had, like, 14 Vandermeer brothers on the team. They had, uh, you know, they had Trevor Sin. They had Steve Demonsky. So, so we're not going to run these guys out of the building, regardless of what Brophy thinks. So we go up there. Uh, I get in a fight in the second period, uh, fought the guy to a draw, which if any hockey fighter ever tells you they fought someone to a draw, they lost. Um, but I was the only fight of the game. We lose 5-1. And Brophy is furious. So we all get on the bus, and not a word is said, all four hours back to Hampton Roads. Um, so they post Saturday night's lineup, and I make that lineup. So in my head, I'm like, I got a chance here. So we, we play Richmond again at home, and we end up losing 3-1. I get an assist, and I'm plus one for the game. So I'm coming off the ice, and all the guys that have already made the team are in suits in the locker room, and everyone just played is just, like, you know, trying to catch their breath, sitting in their stalls, and Brophy comes in, and he's beat red with that white hair. And he comes into the room, and he's like, where is number 20? And I was number 20. And I... So I was like, I just kind of raised my hand. I didn't know what to do, so I raised my hand. And he looks at me, and Reedy's like, take your effing skates off. So I'm like, I, don't, I wonder what this is about. So I start untying my skates, and I hand them to him, and he snatches them out of my hands, and there's a garbage can in the middle of the room. And he throws them in the garbage can and turns around and says, you don't effing deserve to play hockey. And 
at that time, Reed, like I had so much cognitive dissonance. I didn't, I think I blacked out. Like I don't, and he just started screaming at me. So anyways, when that was over, um, they were making cuts the next day and we had to be at the rink at 8 a.m. So I get there at 6.30 and sure enough, there's, you know, 10 garbage bags against the boards and number 20 is on one of them. So I'm like, oh, great. So they start calling players in and I was the first person there. They called everyone in and it was a five minute meeting and they cut them and let them go. And they saved me to last. And I went up there and for 35 minutes, I had Brophy and the GM basically just emasculate me and tell me I was soft and I didn't like the rough going. And I was like, every every adjective you could add to make, like to take a shot at someone's manhood, they told me. So I'm still in disbelief. So I go back to my hotel room and in the East Coast League, when you get cut, they put you on waivers. And so I have all these coaches all over the country calling me. And every one of them is saying, hey, we like your size, but we heard you're soft. Uh, we like your size, but you don't like to rough stuff. <laughs> so, Reed, I'm losing my mind. And the next guy that calls is Rick Aduno, for, the head coach from South Carolina. And I was like, Coach, before you start with me, I just need to know who is their biggest rival. And he said, we are. And I said, you know what? I don't care what you're going to pay me. Um, I'm coming. Which is a terrible business move, right? Because I think they pay me 300 bucks. They thought enough of me that they bought me a bus ticket. So it's been a long night. I didn't sleep. I get my gear, get my bus ticket, and I board the Greyhound. And the last thing I do before I board that Greyhound is I buy a newspaper. So it's about a four-hour trip. Um, I fall asleep for the first two hours. Midway through, I'm like, okay, this is a new opportunity. Let, let's go. Let's shake this off. Let's go. And I decide to read the paper. And so I open up the paper, and in it, it says, admirals make cuts. And a third of the way down the article, John Brophy is quoted as saying, the biggest disappointment in camp was Dartmouth defenseman Sean Pete. He came to camp looking like Captain America and played like Miss America. <laughs> Reed, I was, gonna kill, wow. I was gonna fight everyone on the bus, man. It was, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. Oh my. What a tale. What a, uh, well, those who remember John Brophy are probably shaking their heads, though. Sean Pete joining us on Inside Sports with some uh, tales of minor league hockey. Okay, now, is there not something about that you were part of? I, 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 you'll, you'll correct me if I'm uh, guilty of hyperbole here, but the largest line brawl in minor pro hockey history, one of the largest? What happened? <laughs> At the time, it was categorized as the worst brawl in East Coast League history. And okay. it's, um, for the longest time, it was the first thing that came up on a Google search when people would search me. So it, it, it was never a good conversation starter for me and not a, not a record my parents are super proud of. But yeah, I, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to make it all the way up to the American League. And I was sent down to Greensboro, North Carolina the next season. Um, and it was opening night and it was kind of a perfect storm because, you know, I'd played against the, this guy in college hockey and in college hockey, you're all wearing full cages. So you can spear guys and be dirty and run your mouth and yet be held to no account. So there's one of those guys playing on that team. I've been demoted and this guy cross checks a, a guy on our team right before the second period. And our coach is losing his mind. And he's like, is someone going to do something? So I was like, yep, I'll solve it. And I jumped over the boards and I lined up with this guy. And said, hey, we know when the puck drops, we're going to go. So the puck drops. I grab him, start hitting him in a five-on-five -five brawl breaks out. And he goes to the ground, and I'm not going to hit him anymore because, you know, I go by the gentleman's rules, um, which will quickly go out the window here. 
And I turned over my shoulder, and they had a, a kid who ended up being a heavyweight for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Ryan Flynn, I believe his name was. And I look over, and he's pounding our guy. So I look at my guy, and I'm like, let me go. And he, and he just lets me go. And I take two strides and wind up and hit Flynn as hard as I possibly can. And he goes to the ice. And there's, there's the gentleman's rules for you, right? Uh, not something I'm super proud of. But anyways, the guy I originally was fighting tackles me. But the problem was when he tackled me, he ended up on the bottom of the pile. So, like, you know when you pull your lawnmower out in the spring when it hasn't been fired up since the fall and you just keep pulling the – you just keep pulling the, <laughs> Reed, it was like that, man. And, and I just – it was all this frustration I just poured out on this poor kid. Uh, I think I cut him for 68 stitches. And then I was, I was leaving the ice, and I saw someone challenging our bench, so I stripped all my gear off, got away from the linesman, and almost got to this guy – and, and I, they intercepted me, and we were playing them the next night, so I just ran my thumb across my, my throat and said, hey, I'll see you tomorrow night. Um, I thought nothing of it, Reed, until I was leaving the ice. And our team idiot had already been kicked out of the game. And when I came through the doors, like the look on his face, he's like, dude, you're in serious trouble. And sure enough, I got, uh, I got six games for starting it. I got six games for joining the second altercation. And I got six games for making a throat slashing gesture. A quarter, oh of, the <laughs> quarter of the season. Jeez. That's, yeah. that is, uh, that's an epic story. Thank you for sharing that. I, I do appreciate that as we uh, get some great tales from Sean Pete tonight on Inside Sports. Okay. Um, I got I to gotta transition then. Because, okay, so you stopped playing hockey. A lot of guys stay in sports. Most hockey yeah. players stay in hockey. I have never heard of the transition from hockey to NASCAR. So how the heck does that possibly happen? So that's a, that brawl was on a Friday night. Okay, we played the next night. We played Saturday night. And so I'm sitting up the first game of my suspension. And there's a lady in the stands, and her husband was racing, and he was a big fan of the, the tough guys. And, and she basically called him and was like, wait till you get a load of this guy. And so I meet this guy in the stands Saturday night. And, you know, we start talking and, I, and I'm like, yeah, my dad has a garage on Vancouver Island. And he said, okay, well, when your dad comes down to visit, I'll take him on a tour of one of the race shops because he worked for Bill Davis Racing at the time. So fast forward two months and my dad comes down and sure enough, this guy takes us on a tour of Bill Davis racing. And this was back when mechanics were pitting the car. So pit stops were a lot slower and practice was going terrible. So the guy showing me around, he's like, Hey, this is Sean. He plays for the Greensboro generals. The crew chief says, Hey, get the hockey player in here. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm just showing my dad around. And he was insistent. So they showed me how to do it. And I went and I was as fast as a guy that had been doing it the last five years. And they're like, you should do this. And I thought they were kidding around. So I ended up going out playing hockey in uh, Albuquerque my last year. And uh, I get a phone call out of the blue. And they're like, no, we're serious. We want you to do this. So when I got, I came back to North Carolina, it took me six weeks and I was pitting, pitting race cars. And I laugh and oh, I laughingly <laughs> tell people, I tried for 26 years to get to the National Hockey League. I made it to NASCAR in six weeks. That's incredible. Right. So and now and now your title is pit crew coach. Pit crew coach. Yeah. So I started as a, a jackman. So my job was uh, basically the race car comes in. Uh, you have to jump in front of it. And when it comes skidding to a stop, you have to lift a 3,500 pound race car with one stroke of the jack. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> what's so interesting is I had no 
idea what NASCAR was. I, right. You know, it's not something that was even on my radar. Um, but it still allowed me to be part of a team. It still allowed me this adrenaline rush. Like you go over the wall, you know, people ask all the time, what's it like to be a pit crew member? Um, pit road speed limit is 55 miles an hour. And these cars are inches off your heels. If you want to know what it's like, go out to the, to the Trans Canada Highway, put your heels on the white line and let traffic blow by you, behind you. And if that doesn't unnerve you, you have what it takes to be a pit crew person. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so uh, were you, you were in Talladega Nights, Mooter said? I was in Talladega Nights. Uh, that is true. And so, what did you do? And who did you meet? Uh, so I was part of uh, Will Ferrell's pit crew. And, and what happened was we were out at pit, pit practice one day, and they asked us all to come in there. And sure enough, this big congregation of people comes out of the building and with cameras and all sorts of stuff, and they want headshots from all of us. And they're going to choose, they're going to select five people for this movie. Well, they get headshots. Now imagine this. I just came off a minor league career, eight-year minor league career, where I had, what, eight goals in a 1,000 minutes. I have like four teeth in my mouth. And I have all these Hollywood people looking for NASCAR people. Who do you think is going to get picked? So I got picked because I looked like a, like a caveman. <laughs> uh, now, was there, I mean, did you get to talk to any of the stars? Or was oh, it absolutely. just like stay we, away from them? Or No, no, it was great. We, um... They shot a lot of that at Chip Ganassi Racing, and we we embedded with them for about a month and a half. So we were uh, we were with Will Farrell and all those guys. Uh, Will Farrell, you know, I told Mooner is just is one of the best people I've ever met. Like so, you know, so humble and like you know would eat lunch with us and talk to us and ask us about racing and just a just a cool guy, just a really cool guy, and just. It was interesting. You know, we would get that to the set at 6 a.m. They would rush us into our fire suits. And by 9 at night, they'd be like, oh, shoot, we didn't need you guys. You can go home. <laughs> so, like, a month and a half of that was uh, – but, you know, we learned how to square dance with Will Ferrell. And, you know, we were in Talladega shooting scenes down there. And, uh, um, yeah, it's funny because it's not something I bring up very often. I, I never bring it up. So, uh, but it was, it was a cool experience. Well, this has been a cool experience talking to you. Uh, you've been incredibly generous with your time, yet I feel like uh, I, I would like more. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one more at you because you are in the world of NASCAR. Sure. And it's not something that I, I talk about, well, practically uh, ever on this show. Um, so what's the biggest misconception that people have about NASCAR? Or the thing that you hear the most of and you're like, oh, quit saying that. <laughs> well, I, I think there's still a misconception that, you know, all the guys pitting the race cars um are, are the guys that took shop class in high school and and nothing could be further from the truth right if you look at my roster you know as we built chip ganassi racing i have a linebacker from the pittsburgh steelers a linebacker from the redskins i have a linebacker from uh that led clemson in tackles two years in a row and was the kid that Dabo sweeney built the clemson college football program around i'm an olympic swimmer I'm an all-American baseball player. So the, I've had two United States Navy SEALs. So the, the athletic acumen of these guys continues to ratchet up. Um, and, you know, when I got in, a fast pit stop was 16.5, right? We can change four tires and put 18 gallons of fuel in a race car now in 10 seconds, right? We laughingly refer to ourselves as the Department of Unrealistic Expectations because we're expected to do that every single time. <laughs> and you got a book out too, right? Yeah, we... Um, we uh, had an opportunity to speak at the NFL Combine a couple of years ago. And uh, I think anytime you do anything in life, uh, it's just your work. And so we go up there and present. And 
we thought it went terrible, but a bunch of people stuck around and asked us questions. And we're leaving the conference hall, and this guy tracks us down. He's like, fellas, I took more notes in your 30 minutes than I have the first two days of this conference. And we get into this great talk, and I'm like, hey, man, who are you with? He said, I'm with the New England Patriots. And right then we were like, you know what? We need to put this, we need to put this down. So the book's called 12 Second Culture. It's basically how we went into Chip Ganassi Racing and we took two pit crews that were outside the top 30. And without resources, without facilities, uh, we built them into the first and third best teams in NASCAR. And it was all based on culture. And it's all based on caring about people. Well, that was just awesome. That is a that is an all-timer with Sean Pete. He's now the pit crew coach with Chip Ganassi Racing in NASCAR, an incredible journey through uh, minor pro hockey in various parts of uh, Canada and the United States, and uh, that was just a great story. I hope we can catch up with Sean again. It's the best of Inside Sports on Oilers and Elks Radio, 630 Chet. The Montreal Canadiens, 43 shots on goal last night. One goal, lost 3-1 to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Andre Vasilevsky, outstanding in the Tampa net, as he often has been throughout this postseason. Corey Perry of the Montreal Canadiens on how they beat Vasilevsky. Continue to get pucks and bodies to the net. Uh, you know, if he if he sees the puck, he's going to stop it. He, you know, he's a world-class goalie. He's big, he's out, challenges, and, you know, he... He can stop the puck. Um, so you continue to to make him work, let make him look over somebody, make him make him battle for that extra opportunity. Um, you know, we just keep wearing him down that way. And we have game three for you tomorrow night, right here on six thirty. Chet coverage begins with a face-off show at five thirty. Live play-by-play will start just after six. This is the best of Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet Luke Gazdick, former Edmonton Oiler, recently announced his retirement. He's up next. He played 136 of his 147 NHL games with your Edmonton Oilers. He recently decided to retire. I spoke to Luke Gazdick shortly after he made that decision. Well, you know, I've tried to pinpoint that too. Uh, I think everyone had just come to some point in their career where, um, you know, you just, you, you, you can't do it anymore. Physically, mentally, I, I, was, uh, I was pretty drained. My body's been through a lot. Um, I played in a lot of cities for, for a lot of different teams and, and played a pretty hard, um, pretty hard game. And uh, it just came to a point, yeah, where I, I was kind of physically and mentally exhausted and um, ready, for, ready for a little bit of a break and, and a new, uh, new challenge and, and some new opportunities. So uh, you mentioned the, the mental and physical side of the game, and you played a role that isn't easy because you have to stand up for your teammates. You knew there were a couple of guys on the other team who might say, I gotta, I'm going after this Gazdick guy. Uh, you know, I've talked to a few players over the years who had that role. What, what was it like when you're in the NHL and then you kind of realize, all right, like, like this is who I, I, I am. I do other things, but I'm also relied on for something super specific and super difficult and sometimes super dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. I um, I established that role in the minors my first year or two really um, quickly and and uh, and effectively, I think I would say. And then the next couple of years in the minors, I kind of had some room to work with, and I, I started getting on the on the score sheet a little more. And when I when I got picked up by Edmonton on waivers, it was kind of like I, I was back to square one, um, where I, I kind of had to reestablish myself. I think some people in the league already kind of knew about 
you know, who I was and, and the role that I wanted to play. But at the same time, I, I still had to go out there and, 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 and stir the pot and, and make a name for myself. So that, that first couple months in Edmonton wasn't easy. I was dealing with a lot of guys that I hadn't seen and it was a new class of toughness. And I just wanted to cement myself in that position. And, and I knew from, from the early going, talking to management and coaches, the role that they wanted me to play. And it, it wasn't just being a tough guy. It was being a tough guy, but also having to, you know, play a regular shift. And I didn't contribute on the sports sheet too much, but uh, it was always a bonus when our fourth line uh, could get out there and provide some energy for the team. Okay, well, we got to talk about the score sheet, though, because I believe, <laughs> I believe, and I don't, I don't pretend to remember everything, but I believe you scored against the Oilers in a preseason game? That and, is correct. My and, last exhibition game, yeah. And then you got claimed, and then it might have even been the Oilers' first goal of the season uh that year it was in it was in the first game uh what, what do you remember about that because i think was there kind of a bad angle shot that went in what do you remember about the play yeah the whole process was about 48 to 72 hours um i was in the final roster with the dallas stars uh, playing against the edmonton oilers in oklahoma city fittingly enough and um i was trying to mix it up a little bit with the uh with a couple tough guys there playing in edmonton but i ended up coming down on a two-on-one and i scored far side on devin dubnik and um i thought i had cemented myself on that dallas roster i thought that was it you know i, I can uh, you know i've showed that i can score and i can fight and uh it just wasn't meant to be and within 24 hours i was on waivers and i was picked up by by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I was on a flight to Edmonton and, uh, you know, within another day, you know, I'm playing in my first, first NHL game. And on my first shift, I, I lined up in the offensive zone and we had a set play that we had called. It was called the Sedin where you went at the, the sentiment wins it right behind his feet and the wingers roll over and under. And I rolled over top and threw it from you're right. A terrible angle. And, uh, it might've hit, <laughs> A couple of things that pinballed in there, but at the end of the day, it was my goal, and I saw it go in, and I raised my hands, and yeah, it was first first game, first shift, first shot, first goal, um, and first Oilers goal of of the season in our home opener, and uh, just an incredible, incredible memory. You still have the puck? Oh yeah, I still have that thing it's at my house here in Toronto. Uh, it's on a nice little plaque, and. It's not going anywhere. It's it's sitting there, and uh, it's always nice when people are people over. It's always something I like to show people because I'm obviously super proud of it. Yeah, Luke Gazdick joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former Edmonton Oiler who a couple days ago announced his retirement from pro hockey. Uh, you know, you were with the Oilers 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16, 15, 16. Uh, significant because it was uh, Connor McDavid's rookie year in the National Hockey League. I know he obviously got hurt and didn't uh, didn't play the the whole season. But tell me about briefly being his teammate. And uh, you know, hey, I know I know when I ask this question, people are say, "Well, they still haven't won in the playoffs." Okay, fair enough. But <laughs> to see, like, yeah. he just got over a hundred points in fifty six games. <laughs> I know he uh, he came in as a bright-eyed 18-year-old kid, uh, not only a teammate but um, a roommate. lived with uh, lived with me and Taylor um, in, in the same house and got to know him on and off the ice. Just an incredible kid, incredible human. Was a kid who even at 18 years old I was looking up to. Um, the work ethic he sh he showed and, and put in on a daily basis wanting to win and wanting to be the best player on the ice was unmatched from anyone who I've ever played with. And I can say that honestly. And everybody knows that the skill level is, is unmatched. There, there's players in the league that can, 
that can do some of the things he can do, but uh, as a whole, I've never seen a player move like him uh, at the speed he does. And I, I can calm Oilers fans' nerves probably, probably not after, you know, the, the playoffs here, but they, they will win. They will win. Connor will win, and, and, and the Oilers will win with, with him at their core and at the helm. I, I, can, I can tell you that just from seeing the, the drive and effort that he puts in on a daily basis. He takes a lot on his own shoulders. And, and they'll get there. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be. I hope soon. I'd love to see them make a, make a nice little run here in the next year or two. But they will win with him at the helm. He's just that good and that dominant. Yeah. Yeah, incredible season. And then just, uh, well, playoffs, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. I had Kelly Rudy on my show last night. He's on every week. And I said, Play- playoffs aren't fair. And he said, yeah, he goes, it's, some people call it hockey, but some people just say the sport should be called goalie. <laughs> because yeah. Look how many series have just turned on a goaltending performance too. I know, right? I, I watch a lot of this North Division hockey, and uh, you credit where credit's due. Connor Hellebuck stood on his stood on his head, right? Uh, Mike Smith played amazing too. Had a great season as well, but in the playoffs, he, I thought he played amazing too. And on the other side, you had Jack Campbell and Carey Price going head to head. It was just a battle of goaltenders every night, but that's what it comes down to. And uh, you need every single guy, and you know it just happened to to come down to goaltending for for uh, for that series. Yeah, Luke. Uh, you know, as, as you as you went through your career, who were you mentioned Connor, uh, but who were maybe a, a player to? You could have been an older guy, or maybe someone more around your age that. Is there anybody you look back on and say, wow, that guy was a mentor? Like, thank God that guy told me this or set that example. Because I don't know, you know, is there a guy you say, thank God he gave me that path because maybe I wouldn't have played as long as I did otherwise? Well, I'd have to start in Texas because when I came in as a 19-year-old, we had a very veteran core of guys that included, you know, Brad Lukowicz and Max Fortunas, guys like this that maybe you wouldn't even heard of, but uh, I ended up playing with Eric Goddard, too, who taught me a lot about um, playing the game and and, um, playing that role. Uh, And then I got to Edmonton, and we were fairly young, but um, we did have some good leaders in place that I learned from, um, Andrew Ferentz, um, Boyd Gordon and Matt Hendricks were both on the team and they were incredible for me. Uh, Matt Hendricks taught me how to block shots and Boyd Gordon taught me how to battle every, every shift. Um, we usually had to start a lot of the draws in the D zone. So, um, I looked up to those guys a lot. A lot of the guys that, that, um, I learned a lot from were there in Edmonton. Um, and I'm thankful for that always. Do you have a most memorable NHL fight? Ooh, you know, I always go back to um, Milan Lucic, uh, the, the night we played Boston at home my rookie year. It was just everything just kind of culminated in, into, into that fight. Um, we had gone down a goal, and, um, and yeah, it was a guy I kind of wanted to – I had fought a, a decent number of guys, and he was the guy who I think could have just put me over the top, and – um, not only was it a good fight for me, but I've never heard Rexall so loud. It, it just, it, it, they erupted and we ended up, we, we came back, but we ended up losing the game and, uh, it was still pretty cool. The other one that always comes to mind is Brian McGrath. Um, that was hockey night in Canada. My first battle of Alberta, um, at center ice, um, you know, on CBC. And that's a guy that I used to watch fight. Ty, I grew up in Toronto. I used to watch him fight Ty Domi when he was with the Ottawa senators. So now he's got his hands on me, you know, throwing over the top and I just remember having to stay in there and 
being a little nervous for a second and and just taking a breath and, and when it was all said and done um, i came away fairly unscathed but um that was another one that was really cool for me yeah i remember that one that was a good one and i i, I believe it was rather loud in the building you're right yeah yeah <laughs> luke Gazdick checking in tonight at inside sports hey I, i'm hoping maybe you could take me back a little bit I like to get that origin story to use a superhero term, but uh, you know, I think I believe your dad was drafted into pro hockey, and I think your brothers play as well. I'm not totally sure what what level they uh, they soared to, but take me back to the the Gazdick household as a kid. Like, were you the typical Canadian, you know, born with a pair of skates on, or, or did you? What did you really yeah. dive into hockey? Yeah, it was about as as cliche, but as unique as it comes, right? Uh, we had backyard rink. My dad was a former former OHL defenseman who got drafted uh, 66 overall to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, only played one year pro, ended up playing CIS. He was a captain at Western University. My older brother ended up playing in, um, at McGill University and, and then over in Europe. And my younger brother was an OHL player as well uh, for the same team as me and Erie. So... Um, we would be out there as kids on the backyard rink all the time, you know, credit to my dad. I, I don't remember how much work he put in until I realized it, you know, very recently about flooding down the rink every night and having that thing ready for us. And we were out there all the time playing one, one V one V one. And he was out there sometimes, you know, teaching us and we were learning from each other and learning from him. And we all grew up playing minor hockey together. We're, we're all a couple years apart, but um, you know, going to rinks, going to see my brother, my brother's coming to see me. So it was a family thing for the Gazdicks and definitely where I got that drive is uh, from, from my old man and, and from my brothers and my fam. We're chatting with former Edmonton Oiler Luke Gazdick. He retired on the weekend. More with Luke when we get back to Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, we are chatting with Luke Gazdick, the former Edmonton Oiler, announced his retirement from pro hockey over the weekend. Luke, thanks again for checking in tonight. I want to ask you, when was it for you, you sort of had that realization that you could make it, that you could play in the NHL? Because I think that's an important step in someone's brain to really believe that they can make it at the highest level. I think it was just a gradual process as I was playing pro. I played my first four full years in the minors without a call-up. And I remember my first couple main camps in Dallas, the older guys that were there, we had Mike Medano and Sean Avery and Trevor Daly and these guys there. And um, I just remember be- being very intimidated and, 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 and feeling like I wasn't ready. Like knowing that, you know, maybe I can do this for an exhibition game here or there, but I really don't know if I'm, if I'm ready for this. And then every camp I went there, I thought I got better and better. And it wasn't until that last camp, it was my fifth year pro in Dallas, where I thought I played really well and I thought I was ready for the NHL. And that was when, um, it was probably after that exhibition game in Oklahoma City, when I said, you know what, I'm here and I'm, I'm ready and I'm here to stay. And unfortunately, the Dallas Stars management didn't feel the same way, which was super disappointing. It was an organization I put, you know, the last seven years from when I got drafted into and the Oilers felt uh, felt different about that and uh, came calling and gave me a chance. And just over those first couple games, I started fighting and I started skating up and down the ice. And that's when I thought to myself, you know, I'm I'm here and I'm here to stay. And 
when you get picked up off waivers, you get a month, you get 30 days, uh, you know, on the team's roster. And I ended up being there for three years. So um, I, I'm, guess, I'm guessing I was right there and, and, and I'm glad for every second of it. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be the, uh, the Debbie Downer here and ask you the, the hard <laughs> news question, so to speak. What, what do you think is the, is the future of fighting in the National Hockey League? It, it did go up again a little bit this year, but it was also, hey, you're playing the same team like five times a month, <laughs> which, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of debate and, and sometimes you see head injuries or a guy gets popped and he's, you know, Jujar took one in the face and, and he went down pretty hard in, in Calgary. Where, where do you think it's headed and do you think there's always going to be a, a place for it, so to speak? I think your your last line there kind of took the words out of my mouth. It's I, I think it's always going to be there. I don't think it's ever going to be something that will be kind of like junior hockey now, where you can only you know X amount of times a year. I I think that's very tough putting a cap on it, putting a limit on it. Um, I think it has a has a role in the game. I I, I sometimes even agree with that. There's there's fights that happen that I watch, and, and even me, a guy who fought my whole career, I was kind of thinking, you know, that's not really super necessary but I, I always don't you know I always have respect for those guys and there's some times really where especially even watching towards the end some guys taking really big runs on, on skilled players and knowing that it, there's no retribution for that there's they're they're not going to have to stand up for themselves kind of it, it still irks me a little bit so I always think there should and will be a place for it in the game but it, it's definitely come down as, as you know, watching and, and analyzing uh, the game for as many years as you had, um, definitely come down a lot, but um, it's starting to turn back around. You watch a couple of these series and, and some of these rivalries heading, uh, heading in that direction. Um, I remember, you know, reading about the New York Rangers thinking they need to get bigger and tougher. And there's, I know there's more teams in the league like them. So maybe I left the game at the wrong time, but I, uh, I definitely am past that point in, in my, in my life. So uh, I, I'm, I have more fun watching it now than I, than I do actually doing it. Luke, just a couple more. And thanks for being so generous uh, with your time. And maybe you haven't decided this one yet, but you know what's next? I know this is all pretty fresh, but is there anything bouncing around in your head that you want to jump into? I know that's the big question, right? Um, I think there's a certain amount of the population of, of hockey players that have something lined up and they're, and they're walking right into something or, you know, they have something set up and there's another huge majority that don't have a clue. And I, I would fall in somewhere in the middle of that where I, I think there's some things I'm definitely interested in, but I just kind of wanted to get my, my statement out there and let people know that I, that I was done playing and I'll see where this takes me, whether it's in hockey or it's, or it's a different direction. I'm, I'm open to any, any sort of interpretation here and, and I'm excited to see what comes next because I think I have some good, talents and skills to offer um, on and off the ice. So um, I, I truly am excited to, to, to explore new career paths or paths in, in, uh, in plur on plural, but uh, we'll see, man. I, I'm, I'm not sure. All right. And the last one is you're on an Edmonton radio station, so we will assume the large majority of listeners are Oilers fans. What would you like to say to Oil Country? To be honest, the outpouring the last couple uh, days since I put that out there ha has been incredible. And not just that. I mean, I'll get – I'm not a huge social media guy. never have been. I I'm looking to get back into that a little bit. But I'll get tweets just now and then from, you know, Oiler fans and um, just saying, you know, we miss you in oil country. And, and the amount of people that have reached out over the last couple of days saying, 
you know, once an oiler, always an oiler and, and cool stories that I, I had never, you know, even thought of or remembered some, you know, stuff like, you know, you toss my son a, a puck over the glass and warm up or, or you sign my picture and, you know, it's still hanging in my, you know, in my house or my Jersey or whatnot. And, and I don't even remember a lot of these things, right. Cause there's just so many people you meet over the, over the thing, uh, over the course of your career. But um, the fact that I touched the, you know, people's hearts like that, and they still remember me, I think it's so cool. Uh, it's the reason you do it. Uh, and all these messages that have been pouring in have, have just been, you know, making me think that it was all worth it. Um, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad that people uh, continue to recognize that. I love oil country. I loved every second in it. It's a tough place to play. It's hard. It's blue collar, but um, I loved every second of it, Reed. Well, that's Luke Gazdick. Wish him the best in retirement. Uh, always a good guy to interview. Always very well-spoken, and he took you through his uh, career and clearly loved being an Edmonton Oiler and got his first career goal on his uh, first career shift. Pretty cool story for uh, Luke Gazdick. Scored back at the start of the 2013 season. Reed Wilkins with you tonight. Best of Inside Sports on Oilers and Elks Radio. 6.30 chat. Back in a couple of minutes. Okay, that was a fun one tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope you had a great Canada Day, and I uh, hope you can join us tomorrow as well. We got a face-off show at 5.30. We got the game at 6 between the Canadians and the Lightning. A Stanley Cup game in Montreal for the first time since 1993 when they won Game 5 against the Los Angeles Kings to win the Stanley Cup last time a Canadian team hoisted the Stanley Cup. You heard from Luke Gazdick, Sean Pete, Jay Onright, and Colin Fraser. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Cody Jansen, your studio producer this evening. You miss anything, sign up for the Inside Sports podcast. We'll try to get you a canned ham along with that. Or you can go to the show page, the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. My name's Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.